Somebody praise him like you know he is tonight. Somebody praise him like you know he is tonight. You're Lord of the harvest, and we worship you. Woo! Tap your hands one more time and give the Lord a great praise tonight. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. What an awesome presence of the Lord is already in this house this evening. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. What a privilege and an honor it is to be here tonight. I want to give a great big welcome to all of our guests that are in the house of the Lord with us tonight. Would you help me put your hands together just one good time and make them feel welcome tonight? We are so grateful to have you in the house of the Lord. And uh, God is doing some amazing things here. I've got an important announcement tonight. We uh, have been looking forward to and continue to look forward to All Nations Sunday. Anybody getting excited? Now, here's the important announcement, and uh, this is this has been a last-minute decision. So normally everybody that's at least involved in some of the main planning of these events has a heads-up uh, before everybody else. Uh, this was just made this decision, and so if you say, well, I didn't know that, that's because nobody knew it up until right now. But we are moving and we're going to push all nations out by one week to November 1st. Okay? <laughs> I, thought, I thought I might get that kind of a response. And uh, the reason we are is, as many of you know, the uh, choir, the band is going to be going on tour to North Little Rock, Arkansas to minister here in just a couple of weeks. Amen. And uh, it's going to be an amazing time. We are also, I was going to give you a little bit of a, a heads up. We are also working on our very first studio release song. The Rock Church Sanctuary Choir's first studio release song. And so there's potential that we will be working on some of that uh, at a recording studio while we are there. And that is happening the week leading up to All Nations and we're going to be traveling back. We're all going to be, we're not missing one single service here. And uh, we're leaving late Tuesday night after church and coming home late Saturday. And we just thought it would be uh, prudent to make that decision because many, many people who are going to be helping are going to be on that bus traveling that week. And uh, so that gives us that extra week of all hands on deck to prepare so make notes, change a calendar. All Nations Sunday will be November 1st. Amen? Amen. Also, we have maybe one, this evening I think might be our last opportunity. We still have just a few more seats available on the, the bus. If you are interested in riding with the choir and going to Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, I think it costs 220 bucks to reserve your seat. That will include all of your transportation there and back. You will still be responsible for your hotel and all of those expenses. But if you're interested, uh, tonight will be the last night because we are turning in a finalized 
room list uh, for hotels and all kinds of other accommodations. And uh, But we do, if you want to go, there's an opportunity for you to ride with the choir. It's going to be an amazing time, and uh, we're looking forward to God doing great things. Amen. Why don't you just turn to about four or five people that are sitting next to you this evening and tell them how glad you are to see them in the house of the Lord. Bread of heaven, send down from glory. Many things you were on earth, a holy king, a carpenter. You are the living word. Bread of heaven, send down from glory. Many things you were on earth, a holy king, carpenter. You are the living word. Come on, lift your hands. Gentle redeemer. God with us, the living truth. And what a friend we have in you. You are the living word. Awesome rule. Gentle redeemer. You the living truth and what a friend we have Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 1. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom. Ooh, I like that part. With wisdom, power, and love. God is an awesome God. Help me sing our God. Is it not? With wisdom, power, and our God. 
God is an awesome God. Amen. Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 1 is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me tonight. If you have been here the past several weeks, you know that with the exception of last week, we have been in a series called The Seven Pillars of Wisdom. And if you have not been able to be with us in the previous lessons, I highly encourage you uh, to go back. You can access it via SoundCloud, podcast, YouTube, Facebook. You can still buy a CD from uh, the bookstore and get caught up because uh, we have spent two weeks building a foundation really for what I want to preach tonight. And so I want to continue tonight on the seven pillars of wisdom. And we're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 1, which says, Wisdom hath builded her house, and she hath hewn out her seven pillars. Wisdom. When wisdom builds a house, it builds a house with the foundation underneath it. One more verse of scripture, the book of James, chapter number three. Book of James, chapter number three. Now we'll use this verse as a continuum to bring us from where we have been in our lesson to where we are tonight, verse number 13 says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying, and strife in your hearts. Glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. He directly ties envy and strife as a product of earthly wisdom. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let's put our hands together one more time and give God a praise for his word tonight. Hallelujah. Woo. We thank you for your living word tonight. Glory, glory, glory. Amen. You may be seated. 
By way of introduction tonight, let me just draw fresh in our minds the idea and the concept communicated by the word of the Lord in our studies the past couple of weeks is that not everything that is categorized as wisdom is from God, nor is everything categorized as wisdom good for our soul. As a matter of fact, the Bible shows us a, a dichotomy of wisdom. It shows us that there are two types of wisdom. One wisdom that it considers to be earthly wisdom, sensual wisdom. This is wisdom whose roots are in human understanding. This is wisdom that has its origin from human emotion and human desire and human competencies. It is limited by the finite and the frail and the corrupt nature of humanity. This kind of wisdom in its ultimate ending cannot produce godly fruit. But instead, it produces strife and envy and confusion. And the Bible says, every evil work. And in contrast to the earthly wisdom, the Bible says that there is a wisdom that is from above. When we think of wisdom from above, this is more than just understanding that it descends uh, from the height of God's understanding and the riches of his glory. But this is an understanding that when Jesus tells Nicodemus that you must be born again, that born again phrase in the original means to be born from above. It has to do with the new birth experience and the idea that there is a nature that is infused into humanity that when he obeys the gospel message that there is something that happens. It is an infusion from the heavenly kingdom that changes the way that we think. It changes the way that we live. It changes the way that we talk and all Ultimately, it changes the fruit that we produce in our life. This kind of wisdom comes from the Holy Ghost. This kind of wisdom comes when we are baptized with the Spirit of Almighty God. And the Holy Ghost is given to us for more than just wearing nice dresses if you're a woman. And it's for more than just putting on a suit and tie and coming to the church and singing gospel music. This wisdom comes to change the way that you think. It comes to rearrange the way that you speak. Why? Because life and death is in the power of the tongue and whatsoever is in a man's heart, that is what he is going to speak and the Bible says so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and so when you get the Holy Ghost, you don't think like you used to think. When you get the Holy Ghost, 
Ghost, you begin to break paradigms of thought that have been in your family for years. When you get the Holy Ghost, you begin to think in ways that break the barriers of cultural influence that have been taught to you all your life. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get wisdom from above that helps you to think in a different dimension. Oh, the problem is, is that wisdom from above is contrary to earthly wisdom. It is the antithesis of a spirit-impacted, a spirit-influenced mindset. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the carnal mind or wisdom that is from the earth is enmity against God. It is the enemy of God, earthly Wisdom uh, is rooted in rebellion uh, to the nature of God. As a matter of fact, the scripture goes on to say that it is not subject to the law of God. It does not want to submit to heavenly wisdom. Earthly wisdom does not want to bow its knees and say, I'm wrong and you're right. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And so the difficulty in the human experience uh, is that when we get the Holy Ghost, uh, there are moments and times uh, when the Spirit of God uh, begins to challenge uh, the very essence of who we are in our thoughts. Begins to challenge the very way uh, that we process information and that we transact uh, interactions with other people. And it begins to challenge uh, the way that we respond to situations. Uh, and it begins to challenge uh, the way that we have always thought about certain things. Uh, and it begins to challenge. Uh, and somewhere along the way, uh, we have to make the decision uh, that we will embrace wisdom uh, that is from a Above, uh, not earthly wisdom. Uh, and I don't care if the earthly wisdom uh, is backed up uh, by scientific study. Uh, I don't care if the earthly wisdom uh, has the credentials uh, of those who are considered uh, the intellectual elites uh, of our society. Uh, if the wisdom coming out of their mouth uh, is not in alignment with the word of God, uh, then let God be true uh, and let every man be a liar. Wisdom that is from above is confrontational. It challenges carnal thinking. And when we choose to embrace earthly wisdom over wisdom that is from above, it leads us to places of destruction, self-destruction. It keeps us on the road of the de degeneration of the human existence without God. Without God, our life falls apart. Without God, we are chasing uh, fake rainbows uh, and we are chasing a world uh, that one day uh, will be consumed uh, in an eternal fire uh, that has its ending uh, in earthly days. Uh, and if we embrace the wisdom of the world, uh, we will spend our whole life uh, focused on the wrong things, uh, living our life by the wrong values. Uh, but when we begin to adopt wisdom uh, that is from above, uh, 
then our life becomes guided uh, by principles that are eternal. Uh, our life becomes guided uh, by things that are truth. Uh, what's a fact uh, is not always truth. And so this is the dichotomy of wisdom that is from above and earthly wisdom. And we spent time last week talking about earthly wisdom. I'm not going to talk about it again this week, but we spent time talking about earthly and sensual devilish wisdom and what it produces, bitter envying and strife and confusion and every evil work. But tonight, uh, I want to talk about uh, what the Bible declares to be uh, the seven pillars uh, of wisdom. Wisdom hath builded her and house and hath hewn out her seven pillars. Wisdom says there are some things that are critical to the foundation of building this house. I had the privilege in the past couple of weeks of speaking at our men's and our women's Bible study. And I first taught the women a lesson and, and the men said, we... Uh, hey, we want that same lesson over here. And so I taught the same lesson, and the subject of the lesson had to do with process. And we talked about the wise and the foolish man. Matthew chapter uh, 6 and, or, or 7 and Luke chapter number 6, I believe, uh, that, that gives us the story of the wise and the foolish man. And I won't belabor the point tonight. Suffice to say that the wise man... The wise man understood the value of building his house with a good foundation underneath it. The wise man understood that I can't just fake it. The wise man understood uh, that the foolish man might look like he's getting somewhere faster and further than me. Uh, but when the storm comes, uh, when the adversity comes, uh, whatever his house is built on uh, will be uh, tested. Can I stop for a moment and just preach uh, that in your walk with God, uh, there are going to come moments. Uh, it may happen after six months. Uh, it may happen after six years. Uh, it may happen at 10 years. But there are going to come times when the foundation of your walk with God is tested by adversity. And God is going to find out what your relationship with him is built on. Is it built on real values? Is it built on truth? Is it built on a real love for truth? Or is it built on emotionalism? Is it built on just fake relationships? Is it built off of socialities and connections with people? God's going to find out exactly what your house is built on. Is your house built uh, on your own ideologies uh, of how things are supposed to be uh, in the kingdom of God? Uh, because there's going to come a moment uh, when you're disappointed, uh, when you're discouraged, uh, when you're afraid, uh, when you're confused, uh, and the wind is blowing, uh, and the rain is beating the house. Uh, but I can assure you uh, that if the house is built uh, on the right foundation, uh, that if wisdom has been at 
work uh, in your life. Uh, the rains will come. Uh, the floods will come. Uh, but when the storm clouds pass, uh, your house uh, will be standing. Uh, I'm still faithful to God. Uh, I'm still in love with Jesus. Uh, I'm still sold out to God. Uh, I'm still submitted to God. Uh, I'm still walking. Uh, come on, somebody. Wisdom hath builded her in house. And there are some foundational principles that if you're going to make it living for God, they have to be established. One of the things we talked about in the Bible study is that God won't let you do shortcuts. God will expose you in order to save you. Whoa, I felt the Holy Ghost right there. God will let some situations come along uh, that expose vulnerabilities uh, in your foundation. Uh, and he's going to make you face a decision uh, to try to keep hopping along uh, over the top of a broken foundation. Uh, or are you going to go back and dig it up again uh, and get it right uh, and get it straight uh, so that you can become everything uh, that God wants you. Oh, I know this isn't popular preaching uh, because we want to just sweep things under the rug. Uh, we want to limp along with broken things uh, in our foundation and, and roots of bitterness and, uh, and crumbling ideologies uh, and try to build the house. Uh, but God won't let you move forward. God's going to make you get down to that ground and fix some things that are broken. And so in the book of James, the prophet well, the psalmist, rather, in the book of Proverbs, the wise man Solomon declares that wisdom hath builded her in house and hath hewn her out seven pillars. And in James chapter 3, the writer writes in the revelation of those pillars of wisdom. If you're taking notes tonight, the first pillar of wisdom, according to the word of the Lord, is purity. Purity is one of the pillars of wisdom in your life. God's spirit is holy. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, there is a work of purification that begins to happen in your life. There is a work of sanctification that begins to happen in our life. Read for me 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. It begins to cause us to become pure. Uh, we enter into a process uh, of purification. The word pure in the original language of the word of the Lord means clean. It means innocent. It means modest and chaste. God's word speaks of Christians as having a pure heart and a pure conscience and a pure mind. Read for me 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Now the end of the commandment is charity, out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. Out of a pure heart and a good conscience. Read 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 9. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. 
Read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 1. The second epistle. Beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. God demands of us, write this down, moral, mental, spiritual, and doctrinal purity. Purity is a pillar supporting and justifying our claim to wisdom. I want to have the strength of the wisdom of God in my life. Then I should have a desire for purity in my life. A desire to be clean. A desire to be modest. A desire to be without guile. The second pillar. The house that wisdom builds is peaceableness. Now, what's important to understand here is that when you study these seven pillars, there is a close relationship to the fruits of the Spirit. You can study when you get home, there are nine fruits of the Spirit, and there are at least two of the pillars of wisdom that are directly connected to. They are synonymous with two of the fruits of the Spirit and perhaps all of them at some point fall under the purview of the fruits of the Spirit. One of these is peaceableness. One of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. Those endowed with the wisdom that is from above are peaceable people. They understand that confusion and strife and envy and backbiting contaminates them and harms the work of God. They also understand these biblical facts about being peaceable. The Bible declares that peacemakers are the children of God. Read Matthew chapter 5, verse number 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. If you're going to have peace, it's going to be because you make peace. Peace is antithetical to the fallen world we live in. This world that we live in and its ideas and our human flesh is prone to chaos. It is prone to strife and envying and warring against each other. If you're going to have peace, you will have to learn how to become a peacemaker. Somebody who has an intention on making peace. Oh, it's quiet up in this Holy Ghost Church. But if you're going to have wisdom uh, that is from above, uh, you're going to have to learn uh, how to be a peacemaker. Uh, I refuse to live my life for God uh, at odds with people all the time. 
I refuse to live my life uh, every time I turn around uh, arguing uh, and disagreeing with people uh, and, and, and upset with people uh, and angry with this person uh, and upset about that. No, 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 no. Wisdom uh, that is from above uh, teaches us uh, to become a peacemaker. Uh, I'm not living my life. In, that's the stuff God brought me out of. Uh, that's what God delivered me from. Uh, I'm not going back to that kind of drama. Uh, I'm not going back to that kind of mess. Uh, that's how I wish I had a witness in the building. Uh, that's the kind of trash living uh, that God delivered me out of. Uh, I'm not going to live my life uh, angry and upset and bitter uh, and overcome. No, 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 no. I am going to be uh, a peacemaker uh, because children of the king uh, are peacemakers. Uh, the fruit of the spirit uh, is peace. Peace. People with wisdom understand that James 3.18 tells us that the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Read for me. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And the fruit of righteousness, what is righteousness? Righteousness is simply doing what's right. And the fruit of righteousness is sown. There are two stages of the fruit mentioned here. Fruit indicates a maturation of the potential of the seed. Sowing, you don't sow fruit, you sow a seed. The fruit of righteousness comes in seed format. You don't just get righteousness in its full maturation. It happens in seed format. And there is a process of agriculture where the seed of the fruit of righteousness has to be sown in your life. And when you sow a seed, it has to be tended to. You have to, to keep the weeds out of it. You have to keep it watered. Uh, you have to keep it fed uh, if it's going to produce a fruit of righteousness. Uh, and part of the environment uh, and the, the, the environment and the ecosystem uh, of righteousness uh, is peace. You can't produce peace uh, in a, uh, or you can't produce righteousness uh, in a non-peaceful environment. Come on, somebody. If you're going to produce a fruit of righteousness in your life, it's going to happen when you tend to the environment around you and you make up in your mind that I'm going to sow the seed in peace by those who make peace. You've got to be intentional. See, some of us have it twisted. You think that making peace is justifying somebody else's mistake. But you making peace is about you making it to heaven, not the other person. Woo! 
Making peace uh, is about your posture uh, before God. I can't control what somebody else does. Uh, I can't control somebody else's uh, unforgiveness. Uh, I can't control uh, somebody else's anger uh, and bitterness. Uh, but I can be a peacemaker. Uh, I can go to them and say, listen, uh, forgive me. Uh, if I've done anything to hurt you, uh, I'm not going to live in chaos. Uh, I'm going to live uh, in peace. Uh, oh, come on, somebody. Peace is about your posture before God. Let me just remind you that when you stand before God, you're going to stand there all by yourself. You ain't going to point fingers to anybody around you. You're not going to blame anybody around you. God's going to hold you accountable for your actions. And his children are peacemakers. I don't have time to get into this, but that's where grace and mercy comes in. You don't have to be perfect for me to forgive you and love you. Why can I say that? Because I'm not perfect. And I want God to love me and to still work with me and to still embrace me. Come on, somebody. If you're going to make peace with other people, you better quit setting expectations on them that you can't live up to yourself. I know you spit on me. Father, forgive them. I love you. Oh, it's quiet up in here. It's quiet up in here. Bitterness ain't hurting you, ain't hurting them. It's killing you. Bitterness is like swallowing poison and hoping the other person dies. Blessed are the peacemakers. If you're wise and if you're exercising wisdom from above, then peace becomes a valuable attribute that you seek after in your life. <laughs> Read for me Romans chapter 14, verse number 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify another. Leave that up there for a moment. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Quit involving yourself in situations that make war. That create division. That create strife. That create, no, no, no. Quit following those kind of influences. Follow after the things which make for peace. Quit following after strife. And things wherewith one may edify. That word edify means to build up. Quit following things that tear down. 
somewhere, you had better do an evaluation of the environment that you're in. And if you are connected to things that are always tearing down, it is an indicator to you uh, that you are not in a, in a proper environment uh, of righteousness uh, and peace. Uh, you are in a toxic situation. Quit following after things uh, that make war. Uh, follow after things uh, that make peace. Uh, find yourself an environment uh, where people are building up each other. Uh, where people are building up one another, uh, where people, come on, somebody. Uh, the Bible commands our speech and says, let your words be to the edification. Don't hang around people that are always tearing other people down. <laughs> that environment... We'll get a hold of your spirit. Peace. Tell your neighbor, peace. The work of righteousness is peace. And the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance. Read Isaiah 32, 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. When somebody has wisdom from above and they're doing the right thing, that's what righteousness is. The fruit of that righteousness is peace. And the effect of that righteousness is quietness and assurance. Now, this next verse. Bing, ladies and gentlemen. The seatbelt light has now just gone on. Read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 8 through 11. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are what, ye... What, what, what is chastisement? Correction. I saw somebody just went. <laughs> In the Latino home, it was a cuescaso. The, the faja, what's that? The chancla, whooping, correction, rebuke, a switch. We better stop. We're going to indict our parents. <laughs> the law will be showing up at their house tomorrow. Is there a statute of limitations on this stuff? Chastisement is correction. When you've done wrong, it is associating pain with wrong. It is learning recompense of reward. If you're without chastisement, if you don't have chastisement in your life, and then it qualifies and says, whereof all are partakers. We've all had to be corrected. We all need to be corrected. See, I can't get no help in here. I can't, I can't get no help up in here. Wisdom understands uh, I need to be corrected in my life. 
I'm not running around with pride so much in my life uh, that I feel like I don't need nobody to tell me nothing. Uh, I can figure it out on my own. Uh, I'm my own person. Uh, don't tell me. Uh, I'm a grown man. I'm a grown man. Make my own decisions. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wisdom understands. The Bible says that a person who is not chastened is a bastard. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. One of the signs that God loves you is he loves you too much uh, for you to just do wrong uh, and him not correct you. I'm still talking about peace. Y'all trying to find the peace and chastisement. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. That word bastard is not a cuss word. It means a child whose father has rejected it. Next verse. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. Anybody can testify? Uh-huh. And we gave them reverence. I don't know how many times I've looked and said, you know what, Mama? Thank you. I couldn't thank you then, but thank you because I, I would have ended up in prison. I would have ended up in, I, no, see, I know some of y'all. We learned the relationship. See, I never used to understand it. When my mom would get the belt and say, it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. No, no, give me the belt, mom. I promise you, you're wrong. Let me, let me show you. I didn't know what she, what she was saying. But she understood the importance of chastisement in my life. And we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live if our earthly father understood the importance of chastisement, uh, shouldn't we at an even greater level understand uh, when God uh, brings correction to our life? Uh, that's the, we shouldn't get offended uh, when we have to be corrected. Uh, we ought to become thankful uh, that somebody loved us enough uh, to bring the correction. Uh, You ever saw a little kid who needed a spanking? Not, none of y'all never seen one. And that parent went to go give the, the chastisement. And the child said, no! Uh-uh! No, or stood, started running. See how worked up y'all got? Some of y'all started sucking your teeth. Uh-uh. But that's how some of us are with God. We're running around like little spoiled rotten kids that need a whipping. 
because all we've gotten is our own way and our own will and it's what I want and it's what and, and our, we're, we're in a place where God said you know what you need uh, you need some chastisement uh, you need correction uh, and if you're going to be a child of God uh, you're not going to fight against it uh, you're not going to get angry about it uh, you're going to understand I need it in my life uh, God don't give me over to myself uh, God don't give me over to my own temper tantrums uh, God don't give me over uh, to just my own will. God, if I need corrected, I don't want to go to hell, God, uh, over my own thoughts. Uh, I don't want to go to hell and be lost uh, over my own pride uh, and self-righteousness. Uh, Lord, if I need corrected, uh, correct me, God. And you didn't tell mom, no, don't hit me with that. I want you to do this. No, you ain't grounding me, Mom. You're going to do this. Some of us try to tell God how we're going to be corrected. <laughs> Some of y'all, this would be a really good time to find somebody else's baby to take care of real quick. Yes, yeah, y'all think I'm not watching. But that's the biggest trick in the devil's book is to get people to grab somebody's kid. I got to watch their kid. No, let them watch their baby. Everybody holding the baby right now is like, don't throw the babies, don't throw the babies, don't throw the babies. <laughs> don't throw the babies. Can I just stop and teach for a little bit here? Can I just give us some, some training right here? Don't be distracted by what God's trying to do in your life, uh, by these little things. Don't let the enemy get you into these patterns of disengagement uh, when the word of the Lord is going forth uh, and it's trying to speak to you and it's trying to, that's not the time to get up and go offer your babysitting services. That's not the time to get it. No, no, no. We got to develop some maturity uh, to understand uh, that what's happening in this moment uh, has eternal consequence. I don't know how I got up on all that. But that was, I won't charge you for it. That'll be free tonight. Chastening yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our life. Read for me Hebrews chapter 12. Verse number 14, this is a famous apostolic scripture, read. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And I believe that scripture down to my toenails tonight. You ain't going to make it to heaven without holiness. You ain't going to make it to heaven without a work of separation from the world in your life. But we often pass right over the thing that comes before that. Follow peace with all men. That's one of the conditions for seeing the Lord. Just like no holiness uh, will keep you from, from heaven, uh, so will your inability uh, to live a life of peace uh, with all men. Oh, come on, somebody. Uh, I don't care if you're wearing your dress uh, down to your ankles. Uh, if you can't look at your sister and your brother with the right attitude, uh, you'll bust hell wide open uh, with that Pentecostal hairdo. 
Brother, I don't care how straight uh, your necktie is uh, and how polished your shoes are. I don't even care how faithful you are in giving your tithe and offering. Uh, if you can't learn uh, to follow peace uh, with all men, uh, you cannot see the Lord. I wish I had a church in this place tonight. I'm talking about pillars of wisdom. The wise man built his house with the foundation. Foolish people try to live for God and ignore these principles. Foolish people try to live their life in the kingdom of God and work and, and don't allow these principles to work in their life. Peace. Tell your neighbor peace. I'm going to move on from there. Somebody said amen. The third pillar of wisdom, write this down if you're taking notes, is gentleness. This is another one of the pillars of wisdom that is also a fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness is one of the nine fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to, for the sake of time, we won't read it. Go to Galatians 5 and study the fruits of the Spirit when you get home. Those who at one time were rough and incorrigible and unkind. What does incorrigible mean? It means that nobody can tell you what to do. You don't take counsel from anybody but yourself. Those who were rough and incorrigible and unkind and hateful. When you receive the Holy Ghost, it should cause you to become gentle. God's gentleness can make us great. Just as it did King David. Read 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 36. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and the gentleness hath made me great. Paul exhibited gentleness to the church at Thessalonica. And I love the way it's written here. Read, read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. He said, we were gentle to you, even as a nurse cherish, cherisheth a child. You ever seen a, a, a nurse in the baby ward of a hospital? Nobody has ever seen a nurse in the ward of the baby hospital. All by myself. Y'all know that old apostolic song. That gentle baby. That's how we ought to handle each other. With gentleness. With care. With understanding. Somebody said amen. The word commands ministers to be gentle. Read 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. To teach. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. This is the Apostle Paul talking to a young minister about the qualifications of leadership. One of the qualifications of leadership is that you must not strive with men. I'm amazed at how many people purport their passion 
from ministry and don't know how to manage relationships. (laughs) We could go a little ways right here. Give me that mic and let me preach, pastor. And can't get along with nobody in the church. Who are you going to preach to? Who going to listen? Well, let me lead this. Who going to follow you? All the people you've been fighting with? taught this at the men's Bible study. If your ambition runs faster than your integrity, you'll wind up in a place that you can't, don't have the qualification to stay. Why do you think so many people in leadership and pastors and people end up falling and their life becomes a wreck? Because they were the foolish man that wanted to hurry up and get the walls up. Give me, get the walls up. Give me the door. Put the roof on the house. But what about the foundation? No, 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 no. It's okay. These are important aspects. You don't put the rest of the house up till you get the foundation underneath you. People who minimize or marginalize these principles impale themselves on the sword of disqualification. Nobody else is holding you back from being what God wants you to be. You're holding yourself back. gentleness, and you get the Holy Ghost, one of the signs of wisdom in your life, you begin to treat people with gentleness. Number four, write this down, one of the pillars of wisdom, according to James 3, is that you are easily entreated. The word translated entreated in James 3 and 17 is only used this one time in the New Testament. Comes from the Greek word eupithos, meaning good for persuasion, compliant, easy to be entreated. I don't know how many times I've had people say, well, why didn't they just come to me? Because you're not easily entreated. If people come to you and they hit a brick wall, they'd be dumb to come keep smacking their head on the brick wall. If you blow up every time somebody wants to talk to you about a difference they have, don't find it strange when they won't come talk to you about it anymore. This is a pillar of wisdom. Wisdom built her house. And her house was built on a pillar of being easily entreated. Wise Christians are not obstinate and unyielding individuals. Unable to surrender their wills and ideas to a better one. You know what that's called? It's called stubbornness. 
and I said, God, I got a made up mind. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm doing. I don't care what nobody says. Bible says stubbornness is as idolatry. You exalt your will above everything else. Your will becomes your God. Your game plan becomes your God. Hmm. Paul was a man of great flexibility according to his own testimony. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 20 through 22. <clears throat> and unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law being not without law to God but under the law to Christ that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. There's that personality trait that comes from the Holy Ghost. I'm going to do whatever I can to relate with people. I'm going to do whatever I can to connect with people because God loves people. And if I love God, I got to love people. The whole law hangs on these two commandments. Love God and love people. If you've got wisdom from above, uh, you'll learn how to love people. Uh, you'll learn how to be easily entreated. I don't want to handle myself in a way that keeps other people out. That's why I hate cliques in the church. This, this idea of us four and no more, that doesn't belong in, in God's kingdom. If your circle only has four people in it, something's wrong with you. I'm not backing up one inch. The Holy Ghost will get a hold of you uh, and get you to get outside uh, of your little preferences uh, and your little comfort zones uh, and learn how to love people uh, that aren't just like you uh, and learn how to love people uh, that think a little bit different than you uh, and learn how to love people uh, that look a little bit different than you uh, and learn how to love people uh, that have different interests. Uh, oh, I'm preaching to somebody tonight. Uh, that's the wisdom of God. We don't get in little circles that exclude people. Somebody in that clique needs to get enough courage to tell everybody else in the clique. Look, we need to start doing what God's called us to do here. There ain't nothing with us for, but let's get more. Woo! This is good preaching. Well, they just don't understand my culture. When you get the Holy Ghost, the kingdom culture trumps every other kind of culture. 
When you get the Holy Ghost, uh, the kingdom culture uh, trumps every other kind uh, of culture. And I'm not going to elevate my culture uh, to a point of separation uh, from other people. In the world we get here. Number five, the fifth pillar of wisdom. Bible says is mercy and good fruit. This Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth thee. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't have time to preach all of this in detail tonight, but you go study the word of the Lord. When you withhold mercy from people, God withholds his mercy from you. It forever blows my mind the level of expectations we hold other people to. Read it when you get home, the story of the man who was forgiven all his debt. And then turns around and tries to collect a debt smaller than his from somebody that owes him. But wisdom, one of the pillars of wisdom is mercy. And this falls under the purview of the fruit of the spirit of meekness. Mercy is not just extending grace and understanding to somebody. But meekness goes to the next level. How many of you remember me preaching about the Beatitudes? The most meek man on the earth was Moses. Why was he so meek? You have to look at his exchange with his sister when they rebelled against him. And the Lord steps in from heaven and brings them in front of the congregation and judges them in front of everybody. And Moses gets on his face and says, Lord... Forgive them. Lord, please have mercy on them. One of the pillars of wisdom in your life is learning how to bless them that curse you. How to love them that despitefully use you. Come on, somebody. I, 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 I want to build a house of wisdom. I want to build my life on a, on a solid foundation. time to get, get into all of this. But it's not just mercy, it's mercy and it's good fruit. You don't judge a tree by its bark and its leaves. You judge a tree by the fruit that it produces. The Bible says can, can a well-produced Sweet water and bitter water from the same place? Can, let me just paraphrase, can a lemon tree put out a sweet apple? If there's fruits of bitterness, if there's fruits of unforgiveness, then it's time for us to get back down to the foundation 
of what our house is built on. There's something in the foundation at the root system of our life that has to be dealt with, that has to be corrected. You know, you can kill a tree without ever touching its branches or its leaves. All you have to do is contaminate what the root is tapped into. Contaminate the ground and the environment around the root system. And what's in the root will eventually kill the entire tree. If your tree's not producing the right fruit, then you gotta get to the root. And you gotta find out what's happening. What am I plugged into? What am I listening to? What connections do I have that are producing these feelings in my life, that are producing these thoughts in my life, that are producing? I want my life to be built on pillars of wisdom. Number six, and I'm hurrying tonight, impartiality is one of the pillars of wisdom. When you get the Holy Ghost, it erases and eradicates ideas of prejudice, divisiveness, and segmentation in our spirit. When you get the Holy Ghost, it takes all of that out of your heart. I cannot walk around putting people in boxes. Just because of the color of their skin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, this kind of a thing is more than just hating people. It's, it's putting people in a particular box because of it. I don't, Lord, here we go. I don't, I don't like Mexicans. I'm now I'm Williams, but el nombre de mi mamá es es Garcia. So I'm I'm using myself, so I don't offend any of y'all. I, I I don't like all them Mexicans. They they're all lazy. I I ain't ever gonna marry a Mexican woman. They're too spicy. We're laughing, but that kind of junk should never be coming out of the mouth of a Holy Ghost-filled person. When you categorize people based on their culture, their background, their skin color, their, that kind of segmentation and division doesn't belong in the church. I would never marry a white, green, purple, brown, black, orange, polka dot. No, 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 no. There's something wrong in your spirit. When you get the Holy Ghost, uh, you get past all of the segmentation. And you understand that, baby, uh, when you cut my skin, uh, we all bleed the same blood. Uh, when you, come on, somebody. Uh, there's no room for that kind of a thing in the kingdom of God. 
impartiality. We don't get clicked up just because. And I know this might seem the opposite of the idea of All Nation Sunday. Because All Nation Sunday, we celebrate culture. You see, there are going to be some people that are going to shoot some arrows at me over this. People say, I'm colorblind, I don't see color. That ain't true. If there is, go to the optometrist. You got a problem. Partiality or racism or prejudice or any of those terms that you want to use to describe it is not about what you see in the color of the skin and trying to erase that. God made us black and white and brown and polka dot and purple and yellow. That's how God made us. It's not that you don't see color. uh, You just learn to celebrate all of the colors. You learn to celebrate the beauty uh, of every culture, uh, of every background, uh, of every human uh, that God has ever created. I'm in it. I might as well go ahead. I know it's not popular, but I stand against the idea, this this spirit of division that wants to tell people that you can't marry each other because of where you're from. That's the litmus test. My God, it's quiet up in here. Love and relationships are not bound by racial. I don't even like that word because there's only one race. It's the human race. There's not a bunch of races. There's one race. It's the human race. And so I don't make... I don't, my, my conversation doesn't portray statements and things that build fences and blocks between me and other people. Limitations that, that exclude or include just because. In, in, in God's church, everybody has the same opportunity. In God's church, everybody has the same ability and access uh, to the anointing of God, uh, to the presence of God. Uh, Come on. uh, God wants to use uh, every person in the kingdom of God. We got to learn how to be inclusive of each other. Not to behave in ways that isolate people from us. You know, one thing that used to drive me crazy when I was a kid, I grew up in a Latino home. My grandparents barely spoke English. I mean, barely spoke English. Porto, how come why you go over there, Steve? What? Say it again, Grandpa. I'm sorry. My mom's first language was Spanish. 
But there was this thing that used to drive me crazy as a kid. When, when I would be around them and they wanted to talk, but they didn't want me to know what they were talking about. They would speak Spanish because they, they didn't teach it to me. Code language. You're the kid. You ain't important enough to know what we're talking about. That shouldn't happen in the church. That shouldn't happen in the church. Woo! Come on, somebody. Now, don't get it twisted. I celebrate every language in this church. I wish I could speak them all. I'm trying to learn a little bit of everything. And in context of expressions, I think we ought to, we ought to speak that language. I, I, I am a proponent to every person who has more than one language. Teach your kid that language. Raise your babies learning multiple languages. It's a powerful tool for them to be used by God. Don't let the language die. I wish my parents would have taught me. But we should never be in the church and use our language to exclude people. We should never use language as a way to talk to one another in code language because we don't want other people to hear what we have to say. Impartiality, no division, no. Talking about the seven pillars of wisdom. Impartiality. Wisdom is evident, visible, and upheld when we conduct ourselves without respect of persons and without partiality. Lord, there's going to be video clips of that all over the country. <laughs> Number seven, the final pillar I want to talk about tonight. The Bible says that the seventh pillar of wisdom is that it is without hypocrisy. Nothing distinguishes and marks a person as quickly as hypocrisy. In any area of life or in any profession, a person who professes to abide by the principles of their vocation when in reality they do not is a hypocrite. Hypocrisy deceives only one person, the hypocrite themselves. Folly as a lack of wisdom is evident when a person is insincere. When you begin to study the word hypocrite, you'll find that in Roman and Greek theater, when somebody was going to play the role of somebody else, they didn't have all of the theatrics that we have today. And so when they were going to put, switch from one role to another, they would get a mask and they would hold the mask over their face, which represented a different character. And that the term was coined that they were playing the hypocrite. They were operating behind them. What you saw on the outside wasn't a reflection of what was really on the inside. And you cannot build your life on a foundation of hypocrisy of inauthenticity. Now somebody would misconstrue that and say, well, then I'm just going to come to church. I'm going to keep it real. 
And I'm going to just, I'm this way. So I'm like, no, 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 that's not the intention of God. The intention of God is to find a place of repentance and to reconcile the sinful man to righteousness. Play the hypocrite. New converts are instructed to lay aside hypocrisy. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. Music, come and get ready. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envyings and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that Look. ye may grow thereby. Go back to verse number one. Look at all of the things that we are instructed to lay aside. Malice and guile and envies and evil speakings and hypocrisies. Don't get in the habit of living a double life. Find a place of repentance where you reconcile yourself and you present yourself to God. Does that mean that we don't make mistakes that people don't? No, no, that's not what it means. It means that we're sincere about who we are. What I said earlier, when we, when we hold other people to a standard that we don't live, that's hypocrisy. I expect things out of you that I don't even do myself. I'm mad at you for things that I'm doing to other people. That's hypocrisy. One of the pillars of wisdom is that I have to live my life void of hypocrisy. Many of the things the Pharisees did were good, but over and over again, you see Jesus saying, ye hypocrites. Job often spoke of the hypocrite. Listen to his warnings to them, and I'm skipping through some of these verses to my reader, but read for me Job 8 and 13. So are the paths of all that forget God, and the hypocrites hope shall perish. Read Job 13 and 16. He also shall be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. Read chapter 15, verse 34. For the congregation of hypocrites shall be desolate, and fire shall consume the tabernacles of bribery. Read chapter 17, verse 8. Upright men shall be astonished at this, and the innocent shall stir him up, shall stir him up himself against the hypocrite. Read chapter 20, verse 5. That the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment. Read chapter 27, verse 8. For what is the hope of the hypocrite, though he hath gained when God taketh away his soul? Read chapter 36, verse 13. But the hypocrites in heart heap up wrath. They cry not when he bindeth them. And finally read the final doom of the hypocrite. Matthew chapter 24, verse 51. And shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you're going to build your life and your walk with God. And you're going to be as the wise man. 
then there has to be consideration and intentionality in your life to build your life on the pillars of wisdom. Let's stand across this house tonight. Standing in this building tonight. If you could only see the potential of what God has for your life. I'm, somebody needs to hear your pastor tonight. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse number 11. Here's what the Lord said. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. God said, Brother Daniel, I've got a blueprint for your life. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God's got a plan that is so incredible for your life. But you'll never experience every potential of what God has for your life if you're not willing to start with the foundation. Every potential of God in your life is hinged upon your commitment to the process of the foundation of your life. Zechariah chapter 4, who shall despise the day of small things? You know why people despise the day of small things? Because they get impatient with the corrective process. They, they get impatient with the adjustment process. They get impatient with, with, the, with God saying, no, 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 you're not ready for this. No, 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 you, you haven't got this straight yet. And they finally throw in the towel and say, that's good enough. I'm going to get to doing what I want to do. And when the foolish man bypasses the process of the foundation, it's a matter of time. You mark my words, it's a matter of time. There's going to come a storm. And Luke says, great was the fall of that house. I don't know about you, but I'm li we're living too close to the last days for me to mess around with building my house on faulty premise. And trying to move forward in the kingdom of God with all kind of stuff crumbled up underneath me. Somebody right now with hands lifted. God's talking to some people tonight. That, and God's saying, come on. Um, if you're going to have a great house of wisdom, you, you got some things uh, that you need to get implemented uh, into your foundation. There's some things that got to be fixed. There's some areas of your life that need to be shored up. That need some correcting. That need uh, to be rebuilt. Don't despise it. Uh, embrace uh, this process. Uh, don't reject the correction, uh, but rather run to it uh, and say, all right, God, uh, make me again. Uh, God, whatever has to be fixed, uh, let me repent. Uh, let me get it right, God, uh, so I can become what you want me to become. Uh, Lord, whatever I've got to do, Jesus, uh, help me, oh God. Uh, come on, all over this house, uh, let's talk to him tonight. Uh, Come on, let's talk to him tonight. Come on, let's talk to him tonight. Seven pillars of wisdom. God, I've got to be what you've called me to be. God, I've got to walk in your righteousness. Come on. 
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Uh, let's not be stubborn with God. Uh, let, let's not be obstinate with God. Uh, let's be easily entreated. Uh, God, I hear you tonight. Uh, God, I feel you talking to me tonight. Uh, God, I'm not going to be resistant, God. Uh, but I'm going to agree, God. Uh, I'm going to be agree. I'm going to submit my will, God. I'm not going to live by my own wisdom, God. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, come on. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come on, come on. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, yes. I'll say. 